In today's episode of the podcast, you will get to hear a conversation that I've had with my friend Vanessa Condon, a photographer out of Sydney, Australia. I had the chance to read some writing that Vanessa had done in preparation for an article that has just come out in Click Magazine, and I was just so impacted by the concept of how her ballet training when she was younger has informed and influenced the way she sees the world and does her work of art, the photography that she's doing right now. She's done some amazing photographs of dancers, but it was so interesting to talk over all the ways that that dance background has influenced all the photography that she does. I think that it's so encouraging to think that the things that we do are not wasted, but we bring them to the future types of artwork that we are doing. We might change mediums over our lifetime, but nothing is lost or wasted. I hope that you feel that encouragement as you listen in today. And if you want to see the beautiful photography that Vanessa does with just golden light and magic, I hope that you'll look her up. Her business name is Tiny Sparrow, so you'll find her at tinysparrow.com or her Instagram, which is Vanessa underscore Tiny Sparrow. You can, of course, always find the links to anything we've mentioned in the show in the show notes. So look there and I hope that you enjoy hearing from Vanessa, who believes that each life is valuable. Even the small moments are worth capturing and being tenderly held as meaningful art. You're listening to the Growing Creative Podcast, and I'm your host, Jane Boutwell. I'm an artist and a creative coach. This is a space that will nurture your heart and empower you to pursue your creative calling, whatever that may be. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for uh, joining me on the Growing Creative Podcast for a conversation. It's a to be here, Jane. Thanks for having me. I'm seeing the morning sun shine through your window behind you. So much brightness. And I'm in these uh, getting dark earlier and earlier. We're sinking into winter, which I've watched you go through winter. And now you're headed into the the springtime because you're in Australia. Um, Mm. It's so funny. I feel like last winter I have another Australian friend and I just kind of like wanted to live vicariously through y'all summer when I was in the middle of winter. Seeing Just like I've been doing the last three months. I know because you've been inside cooped up with COVID. Yes, lockdown. we've been a three-month lockdown that's not ended yet. So it's been a long winter. I know. Yeah. Well, right before that happened, you had done the most exquisitely beautiful dance photography I have ever seen. Thank you. And that, um, I know that it was so hard to have that kind of build up and excitement of launching that new process and just finally getting a chance to see that come to be and then hit pause. But I know you're starting to scout locations and it's going to come back. Yeah, it it was definitely definitely hard to launch something right before a lockdown and 
yeah, just come to a stop and feel like all the momentum had just stopped and didn't know when we were going to be able to start again. Mm -hmm. You wrote about your uh, realization of how much your years of training as a dancer have influenced the way you approach photography. And you let me read some writing that you have done that's going to be published in Click Magazine soon. Depending on when this is released, it may have come out already. But I was so captivated by what you wrote, especially because I spent years dancing ballet myself and now I'm driving my daughter to ballet lessons. And I've definitely had thoughts like, gosh, I never did this professionally. And while I actually did go back to dance a few years ago, I did one year of ballet with my daughter and even danced in the recital. Oh, awesome. <laughs> my husband was like, you mean you're going to wear a costume and be dancing with all the like teenagers <laughs> as an adult? <laughs> it just felt important to do, to know that like, this is a joy you can have, even if you're not a professional. And I don't know, it just, it just felt like it was important to do. And it was so beautiful to come back to dance and realize that it was so it's creative expression with nothing between you, you know, you're not using any medium except for your body, but I've definitely thought like, well, if you're not doing this professionally, what are all those years of training for? Where do they go? Does it, you know, is it really benefiting my daughter, is she going to use this again? And, and it was so powerful for me to read your words and realize that the ways I think about composition, line, form, stage, mm. all of that, you know, is just encoded into my body through the years of dance training. Yeah. I think and it I, was a realization for me writing and just journaling about the topic and realizing myself that all of those years of training haven't gone to waste and since becoming a mum you you don't have the time to keep up with that sort of training so well I don't I'm focusing more on my photography now but it it was a really beautiful realization to think of all those years of training as contributing to what I'm doing now rather than as just being totally wasted mm -hmm. I think what it made me realize was how much each different phase of creativity and each different type of medium we've ever worked in, it all goes into this well that we have to draw from. Instead of each new medium or each new process we come to, we're not starting at zero. Mm -hmm. We're coming at it. And, and if we have different types of things we've done, it's like it just brings this richer layer in there. I love this quote from Martha Graham that you had, who was the founder of modern dance. And she said, the body says what words cannot. And you were just talking about how dance and photography both express emotion and tell a story without words. And certainly, you know, the visual art that I do, I feel like is the same thing. And I think it was right after that, you were talking about capturing moments that captured that speak of things that can't be put into words, but that go straight to people's hearts. And I think when you're working in a medium, I don't know, it's like, yeah, it's ex it's kind of heightened your ability to pick up on things that are wordless. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely it's something that I discovered during my later years of dance training 
just this expression um, that was coming out of me that wasn't in any other way. And finding that in photography too was really important to connecting the two together, I think, Um, just finding another medium that I can express emotion. And I think in those times where maybe you're struggling to express emotion, um, sometimes creating art in that moment helps you realise what that emotion even is. Like maybe you see it in your work before you even recognise the words in yourself. Yes. As you said that, I am just picturing those um, series of photographs you took of your son. I think they were all of your son next to the window with the shade drawn low. So there's, you really brought like a drama in the sense of the light. There was only a little bit of light coming in. And I know the season of being closed in, in the winter season for you of this lockdown like I mean I don't know do you feel like it was looking at those images after you took them helped you find us like it was a way to express the feelings yeah I I definitely now through what I've learned about light I definitely seek out dramatic light or light that gives depth to the photo so when I'm expressing something like that uh it doesn't help me if I've just got flat light that doesn't really express much to me except for what's on their facial expression but to me I really like specific lighting scenarios that lend to communicating some sort of depth and emotion so by putting the blind right down and creating this just little slit of light that was coming through that helped to communicate sort of like hope like light shining through in the dark or mm-hmm. just like almost like when you're feeling like everything's overwhelming and the darkness is all around there is just that little bit of light you can turn your face to and just breathe it in and soak it in and yeah so to me images like that with the face towards the slight pocket of light or something helps communicate that kind of a hope or that kind of emotion of of being overwhelmed in darkness. It's so powerful. It's so powerful visually. Um, And it's powerful to have seen you create those images when I know you've been in a season of feeling that, you know, closed in darkness. It's hard to have hope when there's not even a deadline. You know, there's not even a knowing when it will end. It was so powerful to see you choose to find to find that light, to document that beauty. And if y'all go to Vanessa's Instagram page and search through, you will see the power of the lighting that she uses and her choice to turn towards it and, and capture that moment of beauty to share with the rest of us who are also, you know, it can be easy when you're living through pandemic this long to start feeling like, is there light? (laughs) Is there beauty? You know, but for brave artists like you to keep to keep showing up and searching mm-hmm. it out and documenting it. And your Instagram, we'll put a link in the show notes. I always put links in the show notes, but is it Tiny Sparrow or is it Vanessa? It's Vanessa underscore Tiny Sparrow Photography. Okay, thank you. We'll definitely have that link for people. I love this section where you were writing and you talk about how 
dance has taught me about the contrast of light and shade in movement, you would never choreograph a dance at all the same tempo or speed that would get quite monotonous. To create movement that captivates people, you incorporate dynamic changes in movements, tempos, and levels to give light and shade to the movement. This creates something interesting and exciting to the viewer instead of something bland, monotone, but is flat and unexciting. You talk about how you use the dynamic light and shade in your photography. And I just, yeah, it it definitely shows that's something that I feel like you're have a masterful use of and, and, and just like a, such an intentional choosing to use it. And then I'm thinking also about those dance photos, how they were on that rocky landscape. Oh my goodness. And that's just the edge of Australia. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's rock formations. I mean, they have this sweeping, almost like waves caught and frozen in time. And like this frozen movement and then um, the images of those dancers there. And I loved, I'm looking for um, the part where you were writing about the stage. Mm. Well, I can't find exactly where it was, but I, I think from memory it's for me, it's about like the environment that you choose to photograph in really sets the stage and it's, it's a big part of it in my work. So I, I take a lot of time and effort choosing my locations because to me that makes up a big part of my vision and I don't want to just slap a dancer on on any sort of background. It To me it's all part of a cohesive artwork and the, the natural elements really work together with the movement of the dancer or the the family member that I'm photographing. Mm-hmm. Yes. When I read that, I mean, it just, it was it's such an epiphany for me because as a dancer, like well, I danced in the Nutcracker, my mother had danced in the Nutcracker, my sister and cousin, it was a big thing. In fact, my little cousin's children just made mouse and party little boy in the party for the Nutcracker in the old theater in my hometown. And, and so it's just a very, near and dear thing, but so much of my experience at the Nutcracker, there's the dancers and there's the choreography, but yes, there's also the stage, the backdrop, the setting and the costumes. I was a snowflake, but I got to stand in for my sister who had multiple parts. She had danced for more years than I did. And she was a flower and the Spanish is what we call, some people call it the chocolate, but the Spanish dancers. And so I got to fill in for her for the grand finale as the Spanish dancer. And so after I was done being a snowflake, I waited downstage until or downstairs until the grand finale. And my favorite part <laughs> was they would spray paint this little dark haired curl uh, in oh. the front of your ear below your temple to be kind of that. It was, you know, and it was just like dotting the eye was the tiniest detail when you take in the whole scene. But to me, having that tiniest detail there, like just delighted my heart and the tiniest little sparkle and beating on the costumes. But then, you know, this, the trees that would come up over the dancers for the snowflakes. And I think 
I don't know, just making that connection of how I grew up and that was so much a part of my creative imagination. And now I love to make these mixed media pieces where it's the paint and this, but then you have little French knots stitched on the, the paper, you know, like it's all all the way down to the tiny details. You have all the, you have the layers of it, you know? And I just loved, I don't know. I just loved the time that you took to kind of find source your what you're doing now back to some of its origins and dance and I don't know it helps me see that too in my own life so yeah that's amazing but yeah you're not creating creating a backdrop and stage for these you know this theater of dancers you're going out and searching to find the landscape that creates that for them and and then echo having their body shapes echo the form and then I know you talked about line in your writing. Mm. So yeah, the line lines in dance are a really important part of being a dancer, like a fluid line that goes from the tip of one finger right through your body to the tip of your toe and not having any body part that breaks that line. Things like training for that most of my life has just prepared me, I think, visually for composition so just seeing lines created by bodies and together with lines created in the natural environment uh, is really something I think it's it's something I think of unconsciously but Mm -hmm. uh, doing this this article has made me identify it and realize it what I do naturally in my brain I think Um, Mm -hmm. and becoming more aware of it actually helps me do it better I think and do it more Mm -hmm. so yeah thinking of location scouting I've been doing a bit of that lately on my walks and I went with my husband this week and I got him to pose on top of some beautiful rocks (laughs) as a dancer and he looked nothing like a beautiful elegant dancer and so some of the test shots I got are hilarious (laughs) the time but I look forward I can actually put dances on those rocks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes, because as you as you said, like in dance, when that position that you have been training for is a hit and time with music and everything works together for that one moment. And then you talked somewhere else about the training. Yeah, as a dancer, you work so hard on your craft from a very young age. You don't just get on stage one day without having done any work towards that mo- moment. There are many hours of rehearsal, preparation, discipline, and deportment to be able to get on stage and make a dance look effortless. And another quote by Martha Graham, it takes at least five years of rigorous training to be spontaneous. And your husband has not done that. <laughs> and that's that's one thing that I am always whenever I'm teaching art, you know, in my membership where I'm coaching people and teaching, I, I'm always talking about like, think of this as practice for the next time. I mean, everything you ever make is practice for the next time. And just realizing how much, how many minutes with your hand holding a pencil and a sketchbook. I mean, if that's your medium, take so many of those moments to get the muscle memory, the connection between your body and your eyes and what you're trying to communicate, just get it so ingrained in your body that 
yeah, it takes five years of intense training to have that spontaneous thing just come out just right, you know, and it's certainly true of dance, but it's true of everything. And I mean, as we see here, like it took all those years of your dance training to give you the ability now in photography to be able to build off of that. And I think that leads me into what I love to ask people. I love to hear people's creative journey and see what the seeds of their creativity looked like in their youngest years. So if you don't mind giving us just like a flyby view of Vanessa with your youngest creative memories and what that journey's looked like to today. Okay. So probably my earliest creative memories, especially if I think about photography, is probably when I was, I don't know, maybe five or something, I got given a fluoro pink Kodak camera with film in it. And I used to arrange my family members on like sets that I'd made. So I'd, I'd put a chair in place and I'd have it in front of a, a certain wall and I'd have certain props, like a something around their shoulders or something they had to dress in. And I remember like one specific one, I got my sister to hold a rose between her teeth, like... like as a young kid just just that idea of like creating a scene and photographing (laughs) however ridiculous it it might have looked at the time in my head it was just this creative project and I was um, broken in all my family members to come and be my subjects um so that's a big memory for me Gosh, you were setting the stage. Yeah. Kind of theatrical drama at <laughs> five. Oh, I just love that to see where it's grown into. <laughs> it, was, it was probably a bit older than five, but I think five is when I got the camera. Okay. Um, yeah. And I grew up, I guess, dancing from the age of nine or eight. So it's always making up dances I had two younger sisters that also danced so we were always in school holidays we would just spend our time in our um, playroom just making up dances we put mattresses on the floor and we do like flips and rolly polies and just just be completely free to create whatever we wanted with no audience no one judging it was just just all fun and creative I also have early memories with my sisters just making things out of whatever we could find like I was always making things with my hands like with paper with sticky tape just creating little things like Mm -hmm. just silly things now but at the time it was just so focused on creating things with my hands making things from nothing so Mm -hmm. yeah I've always had that love and then it was actually when I I broke my foot when I was in dance training I actually broke it at the beach, but during those years of dance training Mm -hmm. and I had this like feeling of a bit of like emptiness of creativity, like, oh, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. And that's when I, it was quite a long recovery. So I went and studied a bit more photography. I did study it at school, film photography, but then I went and did some digital courses uh, while I was recovering from this injury and then sort of I just started photographing my friends' children and babies and I had this, yeah, just this love of taking photos of children and babies. So that's what I focused on. And then I had a friend 
who was an amazing wedding photographer and she sort of took me under her wing as her assistant and taught me everything she knew about the wedding photography industry. And so I assisted her for a few years and then I went out on my own doing weddings and and then I had my own children and it kind of slowed down a bit. But probably in the last two or three years is when I've really focused on who I am as an artist and kind of got down to what I want to what I want to be, what I want to speak about in my art and what what is my style and what is true to who I am. So mm-hmm. I feel that I've done a, put a lot of hard work into the last few years of trying to get to that point and I'm still on a journey but, yeah, I'm discovering that now. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about that a little interview clip we watched with Joy. We Vanessa and I've been doing a mentorship with the photographer, Joy Prouty, or videographer, all of it. But that interview clip from our last call and the photographer, Sally Mann, said, what did she say? I came to photography to document things, to keep from losing things or to keep from forgetting things. And then I am doing it now because I have something to say. So, yeah, I can see that in your own journey. Yeah, thank you. So you were talking about how you were dancing and then you had this, the injury to your foot and you kind of were at a standstill with dance. And that's when you shifted and picked up the photography again. So that, I don't know. I, one of the things I like to ask is either, you know, share a little bit about your inner critic, because Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we think that we're the only one that has it. And it's always nice to hear about somebody else's um, real life struggle, but also if you've ever had a burnout experience and how how you came back, how do you come back to your creativity? How do you re-engage with it? How do you walk in it with either your inner critic coming against you or getting into a burnout situation? I can see with your dance, you had that injury that kind of like forced you to burn out, so to speak. And you shifted into a different medium to photography, but is there any other inner critic or burnout kind of you I'm know, def- how you battle out to get to your creativity with the things that are against us? Yeah, I'm definitely one to openly say I struggle with the inner critic a lot. I think naturally as a person, I I overthink a lot of things and I have to try and switch my brain off sometimes because there's just a lot of thinking going on in there. And sometimes I may even appear quiet on the outside, but I'm always, always thinking. And I think that can go against me sometimes, I guess, negative thoughts that come in. And mm-hmm. I guess about, because when you're a photographer or an artist of any kind, it can feel so personal. It's the work that you create is just, it's part of what comes out of your heart. So if you do experience criticism from maybe a client or just somebody's opinion, it's it's very hard to separate sometimes that piece of your heart <laughs> with what that person thinks. And I think I've really tried to work on uh, not not caring so much about what people think, but it is really hard. I think it's it's something that I will I will continue working on, but yeah, as, uh, referring to the burnout question, probably in my work the 
the time that springs to mind is is becoming a mum and apart from my creativity dreams I've my other huge dream was becoming a mum and like the road there wasn't easy as it isn't for many people it's like it's hard on your body it's it's hard mentally emotionally it changes your whole life it changes um, everything yeah so I don't think I was prepared for how big a change that would be on me and on us as a family but I wouldn't I wouldn't go back and change it like I love being a mum but those first that first year and and then you add another child I've got two now um and you just you're growing as a person and I think yeah that very first time of learning to be a mum was when I had to for me put my photography dreams like aside a little bit because that just took every ounce of me to get through that and to process and to yeah and I I was able to at the time it was fine it wasn't like I I felt like I was missing something I just that was what I had planned to do at that time of my life just focus on being a mum but mm-hmm. yeah then you also start to feel a bit like oh is this all I'm made for changing nappies and just sitting here <laughs> entertaining my child so the the time when I got did your decide, brain that never stops thinking, yeah. <laughs> coming up with the ideas. Time I, yeah, the time that I did decide to to pick up my camera again and and start working on my business again, did give me a sense of purpose outside motherhood, which I think it's important. I want to show uh, my kids that you can have your own dreams and you don't have to sacrifice yourself all the time for your kids like it is a sacrifice in many ways but it's important to follow those dreams in your heart yeah so hopefully I'm showing them that by by putting work into my own business and and my art and and they're involved a lot of the time because my camera has just become part of our lives and Mm -hmm. it's just so normal for them to have that around and they love seeing the memories that we create together yeah I think that's one thing I've realized more and more the longer I've mothered is that it it isn't so much what you tell them or teach them or try to get them to do. It's Mm. what you're doing. They're going to model what you're doing. And, um, and so I think that as they watch me work through my creativity as my daughter who struggles with perfectionism watches me, have conversations out loud as I process disappointments with things and working through my own fears and doing it anyway. You know, I think that it's modeling something for them that's that's hopefully very powerful. I also realized for me with doing my creative work as well as mothering, I realized that when I wasn't doing my own creative work, I can't stop my own mind from having creative ideas and wanting to, you know, set that stage and create the seed. And they were my creative thing, you know, it was like, let me pick out your outfit and coordinate everything and let me set up an art project. And I hope that you'll do it the way I see it coming out. And when I have shifted to where they are not the only thing I'm doing, where I'm also working on my creativity, 
it frees up. <laughs> I'm able to give them more freedom <laughs> to create their own, you know, outfits as they're getting older. <laughs> they certainly have their own opinions about that. And so it's good that I'm not trying to, uh, <laughs> to decorate them. <laughs> That's my creative project. Oh my goodness. It's a struggle. And it, I think it's just learning that different seasons will look different and that's okay. Yeah. Are there any just kind of simple creative habits that, that keep your, keep the heartbeat going on your creative work? I think it's sort of started for me about two years ago when I did my first course with Joy Crowdy, Aperture of the Heart. Mm -hmm. And it was a, daily I think a daily um, routine that we got in to through doing the course because there was a daily activity that you had to do and for me it sort of just flowed on from there I I realized that I really thrived off um, having that creative routine and now my camera just lives very accessibly right right here in the house either on my desk, which is just next to the kitchen table or um, a shelf, which is nearby. And whenever, like you said, when you start to see things with your eyes, creativity around you, it's always there so that I can pick it up and, and capture it. So I'm not just thinking, oh, that might be a good idea. I'm actually going, let's just try it. Like my camera's right there. So I, I do end up picking up my camera multiple times a day but it's not something I've like enforced on myself it's something I do because I love it so much I know that wouldn't work for everybody and everybody goes through different busy seasons but most of the time my camera's right there and I do pick it up most days but yeah even if it's just for us a minute like even if it's just a small bit I think sometimes we idealize it and think I need to have a whole session that's Mm -hmm you know, 30 minutes, two hours. Mm, No. Yeah. Most often it's just maybe the way my daughter's hair is just flicking out to one side and it, and it looks completely cute and silly at the same time. And, and the light is hitting it in a certain way. So I'll quickly grab my camera and capture that moment because I know it's not going to be there forever. Or it's usually when the light is falling in a certain way in my home, when I get, start to get creative ideas and or wanting to just capture something from our daily life or, but I think it, it just sounds like, it sounds like you use it as a sketchbook in a sense yeah. sometimes too, like you did scouting and your husband standing in, like, obviously yeah. you knew the pictures you were taking that day were not the final piece. They mm. were kind of like the way I use a sketchbook to just gather mm. and to collect visualize. and yeah. try out and play around Kind of the behind the scenes practicing stuff. Yeah, I I think I rarely just if I have an idea formulating, I rarely like wait until I'm with a client to try it. I I often try it with my kids, with my husband, or just go to the place on my own and visualize people in the space. So I don't want to go in cold, not not knowing if it's going to work. I want to have sort of tested out these ideas beforehand. Mm-hmm. Uh, And I feel like that that's got to be something that is an inner knowing that came from your dance training experience that Mm. helped you realize like, 
you practice a lot to build up your sense of things. Cause I yeah. think there's just this misconception of creativity. That's like a magical thing that some people have and some people don't. And the people that have it, it just is like a little magic sprinkle that just pow mm. out popped the masterpiece. And yeah. it's, <laughs> yeah, I would like definitely following on from that, like the techniques that I've learned with my camera that has been very intentional. I haven't just one day played with my camera and come up with some great technique. Like I've, I've worked really hard to study as much as I can, because if I, if I have a vision in my mind and I, and I, I don't know the technical skills to, to actually make that happen, then I will go and learn whatever it is Mm -hmm. so that I can make it happen. And you're right. There's a lot. It's it's likened to rehearsals and practice. You work hours on honing the skills of your camera so that when you're in the moment, you can capture it when you want to. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't just happen randomly like that, right? It's 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 not the matter. I mean, every now and then there might be a magical moment, but it's far more yeah. likely to happen if you've put all all that time into it ahead of time. Well, I have just so enjoyed hearing all of this, just getting a deeper sense of of your growth as an artist, your journey, but I would love to hear from you as we close up this interview or conversation. If you have a a favorite creative tool, I'm guessing that might be your camera. Yeah. (laughs) What, what is the one, what do you use? What do you love? Okay. I am a Canon user so at the moment my favorite is the canon r6 and my favorite lens is probably the 85 mil so i do love the look that that gives and the light flares you can get from it Mm. Uh, but if i'm playing around creatively i also like my lens baby edge 35 which is a is a cool way to get creative shots okay Thank you so much for having me, Jane. I've absolutely loved chatting to you today. Thank you, Vanessa. I've enjoyed this too. I've been looking forward to it for a while and it's been great to get a chance to share, share Mm. our dance stories together and just realize that everything we do on our creative journey just feeds more and more into our unique way of being able to express ourselves and nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. So thank you for your time today. It's a pleasure. Thank you for spending your time with me today, listening to the podcast. If you heard something that touched your heart, I hope that you'll share it with a friend. The best way to stay in touch and find out about what's happening with the podcast or with my studio and the art that I make, you can subscribe to my email newsletter through janeboutwellstudio.com. I also offer a free sketchbook resource that I love to share with people when they sign up for that which is also on my website. I would love to hear from you and hear what you are learning from the podcast, what's piqued your curiosity, 
what you'd like to hear more of, reach out to me on Instagram in my DMs or through the email or through a review. But I would love to hear back from you and make it more like a conversation. The show notes are available to help you find a transcript or a link to anything that was mentioned in the podcast today. I always love to help you find ways to dive deeper and learn more. I'd like to thank Shepard Martin for sound editing and the music in the podcast is provided by Sad Moses. Once again, thanks for joining me. I look forward to next time and keep growing creative.